Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Here at The Next Reel, we've been passionately discussing movies week after week since 2011. That's a lot of movies and a lot of conversation. Sure is, Pete. And to be honest, it's a lot of work, too. But it's work that we love. If you've been enjoying our show, we'd like to remind you that there are ways to support us, even if you're not able to become a member just yet. You might have heard us talk about our new watch page, where we've listed every movie that we've talked about paired with Amazon or Apple links to rent or buy the movie. Now we'd like to introduce you to our Originals page. Let's take a trip down memory lane, Andy. Do you remember what the first film we discussed on The Next Reel was that was an adaptation? Uh, well, let's see. It wasn't, obviously, our Indiana Jones series, because those were all original. Uh, then we did Charlie Kaufman. Uh, oh, of course, it was Adaptation uh, from Susan Orlean's Orchid Thief. Exactly. We have covered quite a few adaptations over the years, and now we're providing a way for our listeners to delve into the original source material. That's right. Just head over to thenextreel.com slash originals, and you can see the list of all the adaptations that we have discussed. From our David Fincher series, featuring The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, and Fight Club. To our Paranoia trilogy with The Parallax View and All the President's Men. We have covered a variety of adaptations. Those were some great discussions, especially Fight Club. And let's not forget our baseball series with The Natural and Field of Dreams, adapted from Shoeless Joe. And Up in the Air and Thank You for Smoking. So many memorable conversations. Absolutely. And you know what's exciting? Each purchase you make through our links doesn't cost you any extra, but a percentage goes to support the next reel in our family of shows. You can support us while diving deeper into these fantastic stories, whether it's the paper, audiobook, or Kindle version. We've also included plays and movies. If they were the source, we've put it on there. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals, support the next reel, and get your next great read today. I'm off to reread Fight Club. Now, where did I put my Kindle? I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 
in just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. Good evening, my friend. Good evening. Howdy. This, this was a hard... Uh, this was a hard week for this movie. I had to work for it. <laughs> hard two weeks. God, <laughs> the man. two weeks. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for downloading, listening to uh, movies we movies we like generally. Uh, <laughs> the show is about movies we like in general. Are you putting a tag on the and end of our show title? <laughs> this week, the show gets an asterisk. <laughs> Like 61? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you can I, find I, the show at rashpixel.tv uh, slash MWL, or just rashpixel.tv is fine. And uh, there you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, where you can, you know, you could do something kind, like visit iTunes and, and actually, you know, leave us a comment and let us know what you think. In particular, you know, really, we care what you think. We do. We care more about the, like, star rating. If you have nothing nice to say, don't don't say anything at all. But if you have something nice to say, please say it and give us a, give us some good stars because that helps get the show into more people's suggested listen feed. And we want to introduce the show to more people, and we hope that you would you would help us do that. Here, here, and uh, Stitcher Smart Radio. It's a smarter way to do internet radio. Uh, so if you are if you are a Stitcher user, you can go to your. Uh, if you're not a Stitcher user, go to the website and, or the uh, your app store of choice. You can download it and and uh, and uh, that, as they say, is that. Uh, and I'm uh, you know I am Pete Wright at Pete Wright on the Twitter, uh, and uh, in all the other places, it's mostly just Pete Wright. And this uh, this other uh, this other gentleman is Andy Nelson. Andy, where are you? I'm at the Movie Monkey on the Twitter, and uh, that's. Uh, Otherwise, you know, just go to Rash Pixel and you can figure out places to find me from there. So you still haven't figured out your new brand yet? I haven't figured out my new brand. I'm having a brand crisis. Quite a, quite a soap opera this has become. It's a soap opera, which yeah. we don't need to go into. But yes, yeah. I, I'm, I'm struggling trying to find a new brand that's, that's not the movie monkey. So, Well, I look forward to that. Uh, suggestions, anyone? I, I, for two, really look forward to that. <laughs> <For t> uh, <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> so uh, you wanted to talk about? We had some hot trailers this week. There, yes. one of the three of them I really want to talk about. The other two, I'm I'm curious your take on the international Prometheus trailer. We got to start with that. Uh, you know, this was the first one that that really had a lot more just kind of story in it. Yeah, and it just it it uh, kind of I got all uh, goose pimply. <laughs> <laughs> totally totally true yeah that's a, an awful way to it, describe it, it but yes no it's, I wanna... it's very exciting <laughs> <laughs> it was a uh, it was a goose pimply uh kind of experience 
it's so it feels so i i think this is one of those movies that i'm feeling really nostalgic for you know the story i'm just really i i i didn't know how much i was looking forward to going back into this universe of uh, alien and yeah. uh, i'm really looking forward to it and and one of the things i really uh, it, that's so exciting to think about with this movie is you know you know when it it seems like when you know the first alien it it was very much a horror sci-fi thriller right 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 exactly it it was it, it and and it feels like and and from then it 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 really sort of took on a much more of a sci-fi thriller you know a lot of the horror was kind of toned down well you mean after after alien the first movie well yeah i think the second one really turned it into a sci-fi action movie yes and then the the third one and the fourth one kind of went off on their own tangents <laughs> they they turned into to uh yes they turned into very different pieces of uh art uh but the but this one it looks like prometheus is really sort of taking a step back to the to to that you know i mean some some of the stuff that snuck into that trailer looked pretty scary i'm really looking forward to that more of the horror yeah, kind of bent. I, I just rewatched Alien and, uh, you, you know, just looking at the images of that film. Uh, I mean, as a film, it's just stunning to watch anyway. Mm -hmm. But then, then you know, pairing that with watching the Prometheus trailer, uh, it's just very exciting. The, the only thing that I... I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let myself get frustrated about, it's just the nature of the beast when you... You do a prequel, uh, like, what is it, like four decades later? All of the technology looks so much newer and better before, you know, in the past. Yes. Because <laughs> so, prequel takes place before Alien. All of the stuff in, in Prometheus looks so much cooler and fancier than it did in Alien. It's, I mean, it's the nature of the beast, yeah. but... What are you going to do? I don't, you know, I don't know. It's, it, this was, this was the same thing they, that, that, you know, they sort of had to deal with, with, uh, Star Trek. Mm -hmm. it, even more so, I think, because the, you know, the, the movies coming out, uh, you know, many decades after the, the original series. And, and, uh, you know, I think they did a, they did a pretty good job. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a, there, I think that's a, you're right. It's the nature of the beast, but I, I think they, they, you know, the nice thing about it is, that it's it's Ridley Scott has a very distinct style, right? The technology that that goes into Ridley Scott's films have a or has a distinct kind of style, and so at least it feels like it's in the same family. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's that is not necessarily the case when you compare, you know, the original Roddenberry Star Trek to J.J. Abrams. Star that, Trek, right. You know, right. They're, they're distant kissing cousins at best. Yeah, I don't recall a lot of uh, lens flares in Gene Roddenberry's version. <laughs> Did you see? Oh, oh yeah. my gosh, what was it? The thing with the... Uh, it was the was Titanic. It? The Titanic. Uh, uh, <laughs> re, was it like the, the three, not, uh, was it Super 3D? Super or? 3D. <laughs> <laughs> and, but they did they did the it was it was it, it, it's a comical kind of a satire little thing it, you know it's a viral hoo-ha and uh you know they talk about how they they it's i can't even remember the thing I'll, we'll, we will post the link but it's the back-to-back jj -back abrams titanic 
to the Michael Bay Titanic, where just people are exploding <laughs> as soon as they hit the water. And I was laughing out loud, like oh. holding my gut, listening or watching that that bit. I thought that was really priceless. The rest of it, it was funny, but that was too much. Yeah, when the person hits the water. <laughs> oh, that was just, that was, was classic. fantastic. Uh, so these other trailers you put down uh, that you wanted to talk about, Twixt and The Road. Yeah. Have you seen the trailers for those yet? You know, I, I as soon as you sent them to me, I watched both of the trailers. Yeah. I have already forgotten Twixt. <laughs> well, but... I wanted to talk about Twixt because it excites me a little bit um, because it's a Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, that's right. Francis that's Ford right, Coppola right. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, I mean, he's they've been few and far between. And, uh, you know, ever since he kind of got a little tired of the film business or... Uh, and or the film business got tired of him. I'm not quite sure. Um, yeah. I think, you know, he he's always had kind of a very um, outsider personality and uh, and the way that he looks at things with his with his uh, Zoetrope studios and everything. Yeah. And, you know, um, aside from the big ones, you know, he's always kind of tried balancing the big Hollywood films with the little personal films. And I think he's uh, as of late it seems like he's he's wanted to do more little personal films and it, they may maybe just aren't letting him anymore well so this movie um is uh the tailor of of um uh fat val kilmer a uh <laughs> who's a horror writer and yes creepy l fanning <laughs> 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 and the and and old Bruce Dern and old Bruce Dern, <laughs> old man Bruce. So Fat Val. Um, so I, it's just it, it's exciting. It's a new Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, Fran, uh, Val Fat Val is a he's a writer of kind of you know his career is kind of in in a slump, and uh, he's doing these book tours just to make a penny. And he he's in this little little town, uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere, and gets caught up in this murder mystery. Um, that the, uh, I guess the not blind sheriff <laughs> gets him involved in, and that's Bruce Dern, and uh, it's involving it involves his dreams and all sorts of stuff. And then oddly, um, one of the characters is Edgar Allan Poe, played by Ben Chaplin. So I'm really curious to see how this uh, how this film um, turns out. It does. It looks it looks suitably uh, uh, weird, creepy. Um... It was. Let's see. What there there was mm -hmm. some sort of news about 3D that the that it was shot in 3D, but not all of it. Like he couldn't commit. Oh, it was like the the dream scenes. I think it was when he went into his um, dreams, and that's where he was seeing the the creepy L. Fanning character. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, I think that's when the 3D is kicking in. So, well, it's good to see uh, it's good to see Coppola uh, doing something else, and. Uh, uh, and you know, creepy Elle Fanning is is totally creepy. She true enough is creepy. She is. She is. Um, so this other one was the road. You want to talk about the road? You know, it's just it's a it's a creepy looking film, and and uh, it's it's nice seeing an interesting looking horror film. I, I have no idea if it's going to be good or not, but the trailer got me kind of excited. Um, why why did the trailer get you excited? You know, I don't. This know. is not this... the Cormac McCarthy road. That that the the ship has sailed on this is a new one this is a, a totally yeah this is this kind is of the road you never horror. want to drive on ever 
<laughs> this is here's the brief synopsis. A 12-year-old cold case is reopened when three teens are missing in an old abandoned road where a gruesome murder is left undiscovered for 3 decades. Not a very well-written little thing. <laughs> but it's <laughs> But it's a foreign it's a foreign film. It's uh right? it's like from for well they made it in the Philippines. Where did they make this? I don't know where they made it. Um, you know, the trailer just looks creepy. Like there's that shot in the trailer where that like there's somebody coming up behind him and you they look back and it's like this freaky looking old man like mm-hmm. charging at him. And that just I don't know, it's just one of those images that you know kind of was like, yeah, that's pretty creepy. So it's uh it, it's one of those movies that <laughs> I find it amusing because they say uh, over and over again that this is a movie that's, this is a really scary movie. Mm-hmm. This is, we're going to tell you just how scary this movie is. Are you ready? You're going to crap your pants now, now, <laughs> and now, and scary movie again. That's exactly right. And, you know, I'm not sure if, because, you know, it was very similar to the the kind of build up to the Blair Witch Project, which ended up being... Um, as it turns out, not the scariest movie ever. No, but it was unique in its scariness, and I think that's why it worked. There was a lot of, you know, snot. <laughs> the scariest parts were marked by runny noses. <laughs> All, right. All right. No, All I, right. I look forward to this. Sometimes it's what, and I know you tend to be more in the, uh, the camp of the, uh, the, the Saw fan than I am. Yeah, I, I love watching you these like creepy movies. movies. So yeah, uh, and even the bad ones, I'll have, end up watching just because they're it's just because they're fun. Yeah, um, there. You know, I want to talk to you about this contro- this Hobbit controversy. Can we talk about this? Have you up on this? Uh, are you talking about the the as far as the frame rate? That's right. This is yeah. the this is the 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 big cinema controversy of 2012. As it turns out, the Hobbit, uh, uh, Peter Jackson is shooting the Hobbit at 48 frames per second, and uh, released it. I, I think 10 or 12 minutes at Comic Con. I want to say is that where it, it it first came out, and and the the uh, press reviews came out saying it's really not good, mm. not good. It looks like television um, that we you know we've there there is a look of cinema you expect. Uh, movie to look like a movie when you go see it and this 48 frames per second looks like it's on a big hd tv and we don't like it and it's too crisp and it makes it look kind of jarring and too real and so on and so on and so on can what what is the story behind the 24 frames per second versus uh 48 frames per second versus i i don't know i mean do we 60 frames per second and what what do people have people come to expect when you're shooting a film well i mean i i don't know if i could go into much as far as like the technical technicalities behind all of it but the 20 24 frames per second is just you know since you know once they managed to get um cameras motorized and you know they would shoot 24 frames per second they would project 24 frames per second it looks natural the uh i mean what's happening is there's you know there if you look at a strip of film there's you count 24 frames that's how many frames go through that projector in one second um and i know we've talked about this before as far as like you know um over cranking or under cranking to create slow-mo or to speed mm-hmm. up action um but the idea with the hobbit now is they're shooting it at a higher frame rate so instead of 24 frames per second they're shooting 48 frames per second so they're doubling it 
Um, and then they're projecting it back at the exact same rate. And what it's doing is it's, it's, um, you know, I guess to get briefly technical in the, in a way that hopefully won't get too convoluted. Um, the way that a film plays, obviously it's not a linear strip of just image. What happens is the, the projector flashes its light. Uh, well, I shouldn't say flashes its light. There's a, the, a, uh, little thing opens up, lets the light shine through the film, projects onto the screen. Um, this thing, it's, it, it spins around. It's the, the gate. It kind of closes. The film moves. It stops. The projector, op the gate opens up. The projector shines its light through. So 24 times in one second, we're actually seeing flashes of an image that are very quick. I mean, you know, 24 times. But between that, there's also a gap of black that we're looking at. So in one second, each frame is essentially almost like, you know, one forty-eighth of a second, and the other forty-eighth of a second um, is black. So it goes a frame of film for a, or a forty-eighth of a second, a frame of black for a forty-eighth of a second, and that's how the entire second is made up. What's happening now is we're essentially doubling that. We're cutting the amount of black. We're you know, I don't know. I, I guess the idea is that it's it's allowing for more detail to be captured, more detail to be projected, um, and it's supposed to really immerse you in the world. And I've heard that in 3D it does feel that way, but at the same time I'm also hearing now that it's just too much. So I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm curious. I, well, I think you, I think you just hit it. I mean, everything that I've heard is exactly that, 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 you know, Jackson is saying Jackson's take on it in the, the response was that, um, you know, we're 24 frames is what we are used to. And that's why it seems normal. And so you'll have to just adjust to this. Um, but it's also because we can capture more detail, particularly in quick movements of the camera. Yeah. Uh, you don't lose as much or you don't introduce as much blur and quick movements to the camera. But but this is the part I don't understand about the transition to 3D, because James Cameron is talking about the same thing uh, about increasing frame rates uh, because you lose so much detail when you are essentially splitting the frame to do 3D. Um, and I don't know enough about the the specific technologies behind 3D. Uh, the the 3D uh, implementations for cinema that that uh, but but from what it sounds like is the reason they're calling for higher frame rates is because uh, of they're you're they're essentially trying to bring back lost detail. Uh, well, and and I again I'm not going to be able to give the most technical explanation, and I don't fully understand it myself. But my understanding with 3D is that um, because you are essentially having to double up the image in order to create the two versions of the image so that you can, you know, with each eye, create that three-dimensional image, it's layering them in a way that actually is forcing them to play across each other and it actually is darkening the image. So you're losing light. And I've noticed this in some conversions, particularly animated conversions like The Lion King. The image just looked so much darker than it did when... Yeah. Um, in the original image. I, yeah, I and, totally and, get that, particularly in conversions, but I don't feel like I noticed that in movies that were shot in 3D. Am I well, crazy? I, I, think, I think what's happening, though, is I think, you know, they're shooting it in 3D and they're 
adapting, knowing that that's going to happen. And so by default, they're changing the way that they would normally shoot it. Now, I'm guessing that maybe what Peter Jackson and uh, James Cameron are saying is that we don't want to have to change the way we shoot our film to adapt to 3D. We want to create this new system that is going to allow us to shoot the way that we want to shoot it what, while still allowing the 3D to look good. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my best guess. <laughs> that's brilliant, man. It that's sounded good, really, right? <laughs> no, that's really... I moved. <laughs> I, You know, it's going to be interesting to see. I wish we could have seen some... Uh, we could actually see some, some uh, you know, more clips. I'll tell you, it's fascinating. I'm, I am totally addicted to the Hobbit YouTube channel just to, to see, you know, the the trip into this universe there apparently you know the latest um on set video there that they released there you know fully into shooting the second half of the hobbit mm -hmm. and uh, uh it's taking a, a lot longer to shoot these two movies together than it took to shoot all three of the lord of the rings so I don't know if that means that their project management has gone to hell in a handbasket or if it's just going to be that much more of a magnificent movie. Or um, if it's just Peter Jackson's ego getting yeah. bloated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it is a short, it's a, not that long of a book. Yeah, it's not that long. It was like, you yeah. know, it's like an 80 page, it's practically a brief. It's an 80 page book. Yeah. I'm making that up. But it, it, it is a fantastic, uh, fantastic experience. I'm really looking forward to it. So do they have do they have the uh, the new reality series that take place in the Shire on that uh, Hobbit YouTube channel? I have no idea, but you've just really made me excited. What is this? I'm just I'm just being silly. Oh, <laughs> having their own YouTube channel. I'm like, what? Are they going to have? Like, Why would you do that to the me? The beaches of the Shire, the, as you see all the little hot totally Shirelings it. running around on the sands. You know? uh, oh, totally. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. All those little hobbit lasses. <laughs> oh. They're so catty. Oh my! Wow. Um, so. Let's see. Yeah. So yeah, let's uh, so sh let's should we talk baseball. I let's talk baseball. I believe so, in the Church of Baseball. Yeah, I, I want. We're going to open with that because I think that's just the best open. It's so great. All right, all right. Let's do it. All right. Do you want me to read it? Are you going to do it in her voice? Uh, no. Are you going to do the whole thing? I mean, are you going to go through the whole thing? You're going to do it. Yeah. You're going to deliver. This is, I, I'm not right. gonna, ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm, I'm just I would like to, it. I give I'm you scripted. this evening, playing the part of Annie Savoy, Andy Nelson, in Bull Durham. I believe in the Church of Baseball. <laughs> there, that's, that's my Annie Savoy. <laughs> uh, then I'll just read the rest. <laughs> I've tried all the major religions and most of the minor ones. I've worshipped Buddha, Allah, Brahma, Vishnu, Siva, trees, mushrooms, and Isadora Duncan. I know things. For instance, there are 108 beads in a Catholic rosary, and there are 108 stitches in a baseball. When I learned that, I gave Jesus a chance, but it just didn't work out between us. The Lord laid too much guilt on me. I prefer metaphysics to theology. You see, there's no guilt in baseball, and it's never boring, which makes it like sex. <laughs> so I'll just stop there, because I think in a, in a very large sense, that speech, you know, the beginning of this speech that she has here at the, at, of the film, so well defines the nature of the film. Truly, truly, I, it, I, I, I give you that. Well, thank you, thank you. It's it's a it's a smartly written 
a bit about baseball. And I think it's for, for I, I think, a fantastic, fantastic film. I'm getting the sense that you don't necessarily think that. No, it's not. It's not that. Um, all right. I. Huh. I think Ron Shelton. Did a fantastic job with the script. Mm-hmm. And I don't play, you know, baseball. Uh, but I am a big fan of baseball movies. And mm-hmm. I really, I think of all the baseball, particularly all the baseball movies we're talking about, um, but uh, uh, of of just generally baseball movies, the sort of whole kind of um, category of baseball movies. I think this one makes me feel like I am on the field more than any other. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the 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 inner monologue that that each of these players kind of carries around uh, as they're playing. You know, when we're when we're in um, Tim Robbins' head, and when we're in Kevin Costner's head, when they're actually you know playing ball, I feel yeah. like that is as close to what must be experienced by these pro ball players as um, as as there is. I really had a hard time with the major performances in this movie. Yeah. I I really like this movie. I I mean I do. I I like this movie. I it is so hard for me to get past Kevin Costner. I feel like he's just the dude that my mom has a crush on. <laughs> and Susan Sarandon is the chick that my dad has a crush on and I just oh, can't wow. get past that. Oh my goodness. I, they're just not, this is not their best work. And I find myself, you know, this is me. This is what I do. When I find that there is a whole sort of path of, or a whole sort of category of people who think this movie is the best at something, I tend to go a little bit further in my emotional response. But I find it fascinating that these absolutely flat performances, particularly from Kevin Costner, uh, it, it, you know, is is sort of leading the charge for this being on any 100 list of funniest movies. The AFI's 100 Years 100 last movie, it actually ranked on that list. It, sure, it's 97, but I'm sure I could come up with three movies that would beat this. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Oh, my goodness. That Sports, Illustra- Sports Illustrated ranked this as the number one greatest sports movie of all time is stunning to me. This is not that movie. This is this is you know it's a rom com for you know middle aged middle aged people. And and I'm saying that knowing that the movie came out in 1988, and then you know middle age was my was my you know kind of my parents were entering middle age at that point. You know how old they are when they're making this. (laughs) How old were they when they were making this? My parents' age, I think. I don't know how, how old your parents was, were in how 1988. Old, how old Kevin was Costner Kevin was 33. Okay. Tim Robbins was 30. And Susan Sarandon was 42. Yeah. Well, that's why my dad had a crush on her. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Kevin Costner is just... He's, he's a, yeah, okay. Okay. You know what? Here's the thing about Kevin Costner. You know what? Okay. And, let uh, me just... I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. Are you ready? I don't know. Are you ready? I'm not sure what I'm ready for. 
I'm the player to be named later. <laughs> that was it. That was that was Crash Davis. Oh, I don't. What, man. That's a well. Okay, Ron Shell. That, that was a dumb line. I don't get it. I don't get that line. I'm not a baseball guy. Maybe there's an, that's an inside baseball joke. But 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 uh, I, that was that was how we were introduced to this this seasoned grizzly. I'm gonna save. I'm gonna be the catcher to save this hot, you know, pitcher. So I I can't. I mean I he really destroys what otherwise I think is a great uh, is a film with great patter. Uh, I think honestly, and you know, I don't know that we've ever really we we may want to prepare a Robert Wall series. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we could do this and Batman and. Uh, or a Trey Wilson series. Exactly. We could, so, do, we could do Raising Arizona. Which was, I would love to do that movie. I have opinions mm. about that movie, too. So, okay. So, I feel like I've ranted enough. There, there You go. Your turn. I think you're mad at me now. I feel like I've made you mad. I, I'm not mad at you. I, you know, here's the thing. Kevin Costner is one of those actors. He's in the Keanu Reeves camp that people either have no problem with him or think that he's just like the flattest most appalling actor out there and uh, i know there are a lot of people who feel that way about kevin costner i've never felt that way about kevin costner in fact i've always enjoyed his movies um i i can see where people are getting that and it's i don't know if it's i don't, I don't know i don't know if it's the tone of his voice i don't know what it is but i've never had that problem with him but i acknowledge that uh, a lot of people do you know it is what it is um i know that half of our 80s baseball series is Kevin Costner movies, which I know you weren't excited about. <laughs> I, I I honestly, I was really excited to give this, a, to give him a chance because I hadn't seen this movie in a long time and maybe I'm bitter because I had to work so hard to get it into my home. I, I think that's adding a little bit to, to your bitterness. And also I, I think that, you know, you're just looking at it you're you're so focused on Kevin Costner, I you know. I am. I can't. You're not, not be. allowing yourself to see the movie. No. I, well, okay. No. The the uh, okay. The highlights of the of the movie. Uh, the, the for me, the high the real highlights of the movie are on the field. The 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 comedy in the movie is on the field. Um, because I feel like Susan Sarandon and Kevin Costner. I don't feel anything for their relationship. I don't. I'm not inspired by that. I'm not sort of moved by their relationship. I felt like Tim Robbins was freaking great. I like Tim Robbins in this movie a lot. And I feel like he, you know, he has had some real ups and downs. Uh, and and this movie is one that that really stands out for me as, as a terrific performance. And uh, I think he delivers uh, as the comic foil. Um in just a it's really pitch perfect like he's dumb and i think for for actors to play dumb as well as he does really highlights just how terrific and and smart of a guy he is but he's not just dumb he's willfully say he's dumb he's he's innocently dumb i i think he's 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 very innocent in his approach to things he's not just a thug he's not just a dumb jock or anything they really he really plays it in a in kind of a naive way and which is a great great when you get to see crash kind of coaching him on you know give some of the wisdom that he's picked up over time yeah yeah all right i I mean i certainly i I agree with that yeah uh and and it's i think the way he plays that evolution 
to, from the point where I, you even see it in his haircuts. I mean, the way they style the character, mm-hmm. um, you know, over the course of of the you know hundred and whatever hundred and eight minutes, um, you really see that evolution sort of driven um, and uh, you know at a, at a very character level, and and I think he plays that really well. Uh, yeah. He he plays being molded by Crash really well. Yeah. He does. You know, he started as an uncredited slave in Buck Rogers in the 25th century. (laughs) That's fantastic. In an episode called Planet of the Slave Girls. Man. (laughs) If I had a dime. That's fantastic. So So, so anyway, yeah, so he's, I mean, he is great. I mean, Tim Robbins, I think, is is just fantastic in this film. Uh, so much better than when he was in Howard the Duck a few years before. So it's it's great to see him playing Nuke and just really this character who needs molding and you know ends up willingly letting himself get molded so that he can become a play a great player and a player who is able to get out of the minors and make it you know get up into the show which in the majors. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's this, there, there's this moment where we see them on the bus, you know, and he's taking notes, writing down all the cliches that, that crash is, is mm-hmm. showing him. And you can see, I mean, at this point he's fully sort of invested in the fact that he is not going to be able to do this by himself. And, and, and that is a, a very real sort of transformation that you see It's that it's handing over uh, of that innocence to the hands of this other seasoned grizzly guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, to close it with him being interviewed by Rayanne, uh, talking about the, was that Motley Crue song, but but mm-hmm. spouting off all those great cliches that we'd just seen him taking notes of uh, on, you know, thirty minutes prior. I think is it, it's a really great sort of arc that this character is is uh, sort of takes. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I think there. Are the, he actually, I was, I was going back to what I really like about the movie, and I think he actually drives a lot of the comedy on the on the field. And and there are several montages in this movie, uh, and and I think you know the the patter that they have actually on the plate is is some of the stuff that's just priceless. Yeah, yeah, especially the scene when everybody starts coming over. You know, when yeah. when uh, Nuke's dad is in the stands and he's nervous about that and and uh, the Puerto Rican guy's glove has been cursed by his his uh, girlfriend and there's, uh, you know, the, the other players getting married to that girl and everyone's trying to figure out what to get him for the wedding gift. And, you know, that's just such a great scene. I mean, that's just, I think, a classic meeting at the mound scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so the thing about this movie that... Now I'll just say why I like it. Do it. I want to hear that. I'm sorry. I'm going to why you why you don't like it so much, which really revolves around two people. It does. Um, This movie is and, you know, I mean, right off the top, I I have no problem with either of these people. And I'm actually kind of surprised that you have a problem with Susan Sarandon at all, because I think this is such a great performance by her and a great role for her. And, you know, just in in sports movies, it's a great role for a woman. Uh, to have a character like this that's that's such a rich character and is so unique and and the way you know like that opening monologue that I um, read when we started just talking about that and how the nature of of this mythic game baseball and 
uh, how infused it is in American culture and is almost a religion to people. Um, and it's, you know, in people, you know, in, in some way do end up equating it to sex, like great baseball, great sex. And it's just, it's a really interesting, uh, comparison that she gets to have and, and how she runs with that through the course of the film. But the film itself, it's, it, it takes place in the minor league, which is, first of all, it's, it's a nice, um, change of pace from the other films, which are all, you know, well, most of the baseball films that we see are major league um, stories, you know, because the nature of film, you want a story that, you know, you want to go big. And so you're going to tell a story in a big environment like the majors. Um, however, this story isn't about really, I mean, it's not about the big game at the end. It's not about, you know, um, will they make it and will they win? It's really just about, I mean, we don't even see the beginning of the season. We don't even see the end of the season. It's mm -hmm. just like a mid season movie that takes place and the story is essentially about these characters and how baseball is such a part of them and even though crash is bitter and he's he's tired of being this this player that gets called in to basically babysit and 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 mentor these these young players he can't give it up because it's in him he has to play that's the only thing he knows and um and on top of that he's so close to to breaking this record even though Nobody knows, but it's not about the fact that people have to know that they're, that he's going to break this record. It's that internal um, challenge that people have with things like um, just in sports where um, they want to know that, yes, I was able to break that record. And at the end when he breaks that record, which is really, I think, the the end of his journey over the course of this film, it's this moment he, you know, he just, he goes on, he, he finishes and, and that's it for him. And he essentially, you know, is probably going to retire after that. But it's like he said, after, um, after, um, Nuke finally starts, you know, listening to him and pitching right and everything. And he's actually starts, you know, improving and actually, you know, getting people out and everything. And, um, he comes to sit down and he's gloating and he's having that moment, you know, where he's just, you know, so proud of himself and, and crashes like, you know, it's over, you know, we're, we're already moved on past that. You know, you had your moment now, now get focused again, which was, you know, a great way to say, you know what, it's not, those moments are great, but you just got to keep looking at what's going on. What's the bigger picture and the next step. So it's, it's a story about these people just, you know, in love with this game that they're infused with. And, you know, I don't know. It's, I think it's a fantastic story about characters that we don't often get in the world of a baseball film. Well, and I, I think you, I think you hit something really that that's really important about why the, you know, where this movie works, why it works, uh, that there, insofar as this is a movie that is set in and around baseball, it is not in and of itself a baseball movie. Yeah. Right. It is a it is a a, a character movie about, uh, you know, about all of these characters in a in a a point of major transition. Right. Mm -hmm. One of them is growing up. One of them is growing old. Well, two of them really are growing old. Uh, and, and one of them is 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 growing up and sort of, uh, uh, you know, kind of 
learning how to find his way and and mm. i i think that's the by by focusing on on those characters and that triangle and how they they work uh, you know everything else is sort of a um is kind of a wonderful ride in orbit of of those three characters and i think that really makes it, it makes it work um you know in that context um and, and i think there were some really smart sort of um structural choices that um you know that were made in the script to really kind of elevate it to to that level and i think you you hit it by not making this about a big game mm-hmm. it changes the dynamic of this film and it allows you to focus on on the more human elements well and the nature of the minor leagues you know it's essentially the kind of the the testing ground for future major league players but the vast majority of players who are playing in the minor leagues are never ever going to get to the majors so by by nature of that it already has kind of this this um mix of hope and loss and frustration and excitement because of that you know and I think you're, you're seeing those two different people, Nuke and Crash, at two different ends of that spectrum. Crash wants to keep playing because baseball is what his life is about. It's what drives him. Yet he's, you know, he's old enough and wise enough to realize that, you know, he had his, you know, 21 days playing for the show, which was great, but but that was it. And now all he can latch onto is just doing whatever he has to to keep playing, which is the miners he's stuck in it you know i think that gets to one of the reasons that that the rest of the film you know the rest of the sort of supporting characters in the film work so well because um you know you get this feeling that as sort of jaded and cynical as uh you know joe reardon and larry might be um they're there because like you said they they love the game right they they yeah. love being a part of the game and uh that's the transition that that we're about that that we're witnessing crash you know making as he as he you know in the very first uh, scene where we meet him where he walks in and then he quits and walks out for for five seconds and then comes back in it it that transition starts there and it ends on the porch at the very end of the movie where he says he's gonna stick around as a manager and he realizes that he has to stay in this game he has Mm -hmm. to stay in it just like joe and larry had to make that decision themselves and all the players that are playing that game like you say they're there because not because they're all trying to make it to the majors but because they love it so deeply yeah yeah, I mean it's it's their life. That's yeah. it's what it's what fuels them. So even if it's just you know struggling along in the minors, you know on the road and all the all the crap that goes along with it, that's what they're going to do. And you know you can see how how they end up getting kind of grumpy and bitter, <laughs> like when you see the coach, you know, and mm-hmm. and you see Skip and he's just such a such a grump. It's you know it's the nature of it. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, and having to cut people. You know, you got the two great scenes where, um, you know, the coach is just like, you know, this is one of the one of the hardest jobs, you know, mm-hmm. part of the job, you know, and it's it is it's you're you're that essentially is like the end for somebody. And mm-hmm. it's it's tough. It's these are people who this is what their life's about. So and the film captures that it, it really captures that sadness. And it's 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 interesting because, you know, you brought this up with Major League last week and how 
it has that um, comedy, but it also is grounded in reality. And this film, I think, and you were calling it kind of a rom-com, which I think is you know completely not right. No offense, but I to me it feels much more dramatic. This is kind of a dramatic baseball story with elements of comedy in it because it does have some great funny moments. But I think, and you may <laughs> downgrade the drama only because of the Costner Sarandon um, part of the story. But I think that it's it's a it's a very solid story, and you've got like the ending when that. You know, after new after um, Nuke goes off to play for the show, um, it really that's when the real kind of sadness and the the frustration and the struggle kicks in. When Crash is let go, he goes mm-hmm. to play for this other team. He breaks this record that nobody but but him and Annie know about, and then he kind of he kind of retires from playing, and he just he just wants to sit there on the porch with her listen to her, uh, well, not listen. He, he wants to hear all of her philosophies, but not right now. And he just wants to be. And yes, he'll probably go off and coach and everything. But, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of this dramatic, mellow ending. Yeah, I, you know, in that respect, it's, it's sort of two, it, it's two films. And I think that, well, it's not two films. It's, it is a well-architected story um, that, that gives us, that allows us to earn um, it allows us to earn a, this time to to quit with Crash. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. feel like we've been on this ride long enough with him that we all want to sit on the porch and yeah. listen. Uh, uh, but I'm but I'm going to stand by my rom com, and it's even supported by Wikipedia, which actually calls it a rom com spoofy, a romantic comedy sports film. <laughs> so, you know. Do do with that what you will. Well, uh, yeah. They also called Major League. They they called Major League a satire, which <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, this is Wikipedia we're talking about. It's a free encyclopedia. And as far it's as great. You, as far as I, you know, I just edited it so that it would be a rom com spoofy. That's right. That's right. I'm going to look and see All who right. is credited for making these changes. So what? So what? Now I now we need to talk about. I mean, this movie. Uh, nobody thought this movie was going to be made. In fact, the only studio that even wanted to look at it was Orion Pictures. Which, yeah, every studio passed. And, uh, you know, this was after, um, a few years after The Natural came out. Um, So baseball movies still hadn't quite picked up, although at least they were kind of, you know, people were talking about them and stuff. And then, yeah, he, he, I mean, Ron Shelton is a guy who... um, grew up playing for the minors, which I think mm-hmm. is, you know, he was able to pull a lot of those details from his history and bring that in, which is another reason I think people love it because it, all of those details feel so real. So he, you know, is person who had managed to sell a few scripts early on. Um, he kind of worked his way up as a, as a reader and, um, finally got, um, to work on a couple films that he had written and he got to direct second unit and through that he learned how to direct and then this was his first film that he was going to direct himself he wrote it it was the first draft he didn't change it at all um everybody just loved it and they they moved forward and uh once orion finally gave them some money um they were able to move forward and get it made it took a while to uh to get it to happen but it did and it happened the way he wanted it to happen and Ron Shelton is a guy who works in Hollywood um, 
very much kind of has an independent mindset, um, yet is always, you know, making stuff in Hollywood and struggling to, uh, to make things the way he wants because he does have that independent mindset, much like our, our, uh, the man we talked about earlier, Francis Ford Coppola. Right. So, uh, you know, other films that, that Ron Shelton has, um, has done, he's been around a long time and he did, you know, one of my very all time favorites, uh, bad boys too. <laughs> yes. Which he, that's one that he wrote acknowledging, you know, there are films out there that are <laughs> essentially, you have to write it knowing that you're, Making it for the the mo- what did he say? It's like the international common denominator. Like you yeah. have to just it's it's that's what it is. So, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, he did. Uh, you know, I should say though. So after Bull Durham, um, he, he did Blaze. Uh, but then in 1992, came out with White Men Can't Jump, which he also directed, which is which is absolutely on my list of movies i love yeah i love that movie it was terrific uh and i think uh you know we should talk about it. we should do basket we got to do basketball movies at some point yeah uh but then he goes back to costner with tin cup Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know i mean he's but he's done a lot of of really generally top-notch uh um top-notch uh sports films Spoke I think we're I think we're going to do a, a Kevin Costner series. We'll do like right. Fandango, American Flyers, <laughs> <laughs> The Bodyguard. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I'm going to do a new show called Andy's We Hate. <laughs> it's just all about all the Andy's that do things to hurt me. Oh man! <laughs> you Are can there be that many you Andes? can be on the I'll show. That. You can be uh, on okay. it. Thanks. It'll be a very special episode. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so anyway, Ron Shelton is, you know, this is, he's one of those names and he hasn't, you know, he did, he hasn't done much. I, do you know where he is? Like where he's been since 2003? He's got something called Hound Dogs from 2011, which means nothing to me. Uh, but I've seen nothing since Bad Boys 2 and, and maybe, maybe that was a problem for him. <laughs> you know, I, I think that he's just... Um... You know, he's an older guy, and I, I think that he's kind of at a point where he's not really clicking with modern Hollywood. And uh, I think Ron is trying to get some of his own independent stuff made still. Uh, I heard that he is working on a golf a golf film that he's trying to get off the ground, a golf um, story. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, it's like Q, Q School or something like that. Hmm. Um so it's another sports movie, you know, but it's he's always just at this struggle where he's trying to um to to battle the uh the people it's yeah, it's Q school. Um golf comedy called Q school. Um he's got that independent mindset. It's very hard getting money to make movies right now, especially yeah. uh you know, and I know he's got a lot of uh a lot of stuff under his belt, but um, unfortunately, I think the nature of the business sometimes is also it's it's a young person's business, and that makes it harder for for older people to uh, to get stuff made. Not to say he can't, not to say he shouldn't. I think that uh, he definitely should be able to get stuff made. Still, I mean, he's he's proven himself with a lot of the films that he's written and directed. So I hope he I hope he's able to keep going. He's married to Lolita Davidovich. 
Ah, who is in Blaze. She's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. She's been in a ton of stuff. She's uh, she's been around for a long time, yeah, and uh, and is is still terrific. She does a lot of TV stuff, a lot of TV work. Yeah. Uh, so a- anyhow, uh, good movie. So this movie, anyway, it was uh, Ryan Pictures gave him what less than ten million dollars to make this movie. Yeah, not a lot of money to make this movie. Although um, in the box office, it came out summer of nineteen eighty eight, and uh, it made you know, almost $51 million domestically. So it, it did really good for itself. It made quite a bit of money back. So I think that uh, is another little uh, feather in Ron Sheldon's cap that uh, he did well. And it got a lot of uh, um, recognition for the script. I, I believe uh, he won the Writers Guild of America um, Best Original Screenplay Award, nominated for an Oscar, um, a number of others that... that uh, that he got so you know it's it's uh it's good for him he uh he really managed to write an honest script in a in a very unique world that um really brought us all into it and i thought he did a fantastic job i loved it uh and then uh richard corliss in his time review writes this tripe costner's surly sexiness finally pays off here abrading against Sarandon's Earth Mama geniality and Robin's rube ex- <laughs> egocentricity, Costner strikes sparks. <laughs> it's like he didn't even see the same movie. <laughs> I saw this movie. They should remake it with everything exactly the same except for the part of Kevin Costner is played by a two-by-four and it would be a better film. Oh, my goodness. Play nice. <laughs> <You're> so mean. <laughs> uh, this is... Uh, this is the uh, um, last line by Hal Hinson in his Washington Post review when the movie came out, uh, the last paragraph, which I, I think is pretty smart. It sums up the movie nicely. But as smart as Bull Durham is about baseball, it's even smarter about people. And when we watch Crash effortlessly unsnap the catch in Annie's garter, the catch that Nuke fumbled over earlier, we see that in a sense, the movie is a celebration of experience over raw youth. What it tells us is that though youth and talent are valued, there are greater glories in age. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah. I thought. I some thought days you nice. win, some days you lose. Some <laughs> days it rains. Think about that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's uh, e- Ebert, uh, you know, the, good, the great Ebert, um, the great mm-hmm. wise and mighty Ebert uh, says it's treasure of a movie. Because it knows so much about baseball and so little about love. The movie is completely unrealistic romantic fantasy. And in the real world, the delicate little balancing act of these three people would crash into pieces. But this is a movie. And so we want to believe in love. And we want to believe that once in a while, lovers can get a break from fate. That's why the movie's ending is so perfect. Not because it seems just right, but because it seems wildly impossible. And we want to believe it anyway. I uh, I should say, I deeply love the end of the movie, mm-hmm. even though I deeply don't love, I I I I don't like the characters. I love no that no it, no. I, you, I you you don't like the actors. I don't like the. You're right. You're absolutely right. I don't like the actors. I love that it ends with dancing. Mm-hmm. That is it is perfect. It is perfect. Yeah. Perfect. It's good stuff. It's it's good stuff. It's, it's, it's good stuff. 
I, uh, oh man, this was exhausting. You took it out of me on this one. You really did. Next week we're going to be. You took it out of yourself on this. No, this one, is this buddy. is this one's on you. I'm oh, I'm totally saddling you with this one. Uh, we uh, next week we're gonna we're gonna follow it up with another of the uh, hit Kevin Costner Spofies, uh, <laughs> Full Metal Jacket. No, what? A... <laughs> Although it's not a rom com, Spofie. <laughs> Oh my! Hey, we should we should briefly mention um, our buddy Sarmento sent us a lovely little list: the fifteen best baseball movies. He did. You know, uh, I actually included in the notes last week. I should. Have oh, done you did. That. that was when he interrupted us last week while we were he he pinged us while we were recording. Yes, that's right. That yeah, while we were talking about him, while we were talking about him, it was a little creepy. It was very creepy. Uh, and so he sent us that, that I, I included in the notes for last. I'll include it again this week. Just Well, and there's also that other best baseball movies list on baseballmovie.com mm. that has another nice little list of, of the best 25 baseball movies. Although he does put The Fan as number 25. And I have a feeling there's something better than The Fan that should be on that <laughs> list. <laughs> I'll bet one of them is one of the three best movies that should have been on AFI's list. <laughs> I bet you're right. Oh, oh stupid man. lists! God, you gotta love them. We gotta start a list. Let's... What are we gonna start a list? It'll be the movies we like top something list. Top what? It can't be you know the movies we like top movies we like. That's just dumb. It's gotta uh, yeah, be the know. you know the best. The best something. Uh, I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, that's your assignment. It's it's week. late. You stumped me. That's your assignment for next week. We need a list. We need a list for the website. We need a list that other people doing other shows will be able to say, you know, you <laughs> should check out the movies we like top list of movies that have plumbers in them. Something like that. That's I'm what we need. I'm going to challenge you to put that list together. I don't think we've done any movies that actually have a plumber in them. In it. I don't think so. We've done movies with bad plumbing, but I don't think that counts. Mm. No, we're gonna so. we're gonna need to start that list. It'll it may it may take a while to get more than one of those movies on it. It'll build it'll build a slow build, slow burn, slow yes, burn. Yes, yes. So next week we're we're finishing up our '80s baseball. Yeah. Uh, even though I feel like we're we're maybe one '80s great 80s baseball movie short but that's what? okay we're, we're next think... week we're gonna do field of dreams we'll right. have to save eight men out for another uh baseball series um down the road okay. uh but yeah field of dreams uh, continuing our, our our kevin costner fest <laughs> God. in this film kevin costner goes nuts and plays with ghosts we're gonna follow that's it up great. with Waterworld and uh <laughs> the postman <laughs> please oh that that makes me happy yeah it's, i know uh, okay uh and and but the reason we're doing these baseball movies because it's a baseball season and uh, i have yet to watch any games i said i was going to this year but i haven't the whole reason we're doing this was really so that because we needed to calm ourselves before we begin the mm. alien saga so that's coming that's right. in two weeks that's starting in two weeks we're going to start talking about alien I hope that we're equipped by then to actually talk about Alien. I hope so. I, I need. Hope. To, I'm going to need to watch that movie several times. I feel like yes. the, that's that's a movie that has been dissected. We're going to have it's, to bring the smart. It's a great movie. I know we will have to bring the smart. Such so. a great movie. 
All right. I got nothing else. As I always, think that's it. you are think... a scholar and a gentleman. Yeah, and you are a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> well said. Indeed, indeed. Good night, Andrew. Have a good night. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today.